The goal every day is what's going to move the needle. That's yeah. it. But people don't think like that. Yeah. But the ability to learn how to think like that is fundamental to making yeah. progress. So I have this hypothesis about what drives you as a motivation being directly correlated to what is sustainable and how we burn out. Mm. Because I think that when the fuel in the car is clean energy fuel, the car can just go. You get great mileage on it, right? But when the fuel in the car... Well, that's assuming there's enough recharge stations. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at the last five or 10 or 20 years of your life and look at what really stands out as the major lessons that you have learnt. Because the most embodied, authentic teaching and message is going to come from what you have overcome. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back down the rabbit hole. My name is Monty Hook. I am your host. And welcome to Lighthouse Studios here in Bali, where this podcast is recorded live. Today, I spoke with Phoebe Kuhn, an Australian entrepreneur and brand building expert. We went deep on consciousness, personal evolution, developing powerful relationships, and so much more. Stay tuned. This one was powerful and practical. Do not touch those buttons. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back down the rabbit hole. My name is Monty Hook and I'm here at Lighthouse Studios in Bali and uh, we have a blue light for Phoebe. Phoebe <laughs> Kuhn, how are you? Thank you. Good, thanks. What do you think? What do you think of Lighthouse? Oh, it's even it's even better than uh, than in the the, in so, the, the in social the than in the what? Then oh, on social media, it's, yeah, it's better even, in it's real even life. Better in real life, yeah, totally. Well, you are a part owner, yeah. So thank you, thank yeah. you for your contribution, thank you for your support, and um, it's awesome to have you here on the podcast. I've known you for a few years. I think I met you in a, a steam room. Yep, that sounds creepy, but <laughs> wasn't anywhere near that bad. So um, yeah, what's been going on for you this last? Couple of years, but well, you've been traveling around the world recently, right? Yes. You've been, yeah. So, well, first of all, who's Phoebe? How do you describe Phoebe? What do you do? What floats your boat in life? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for anyone that's that's new to me and it's your first time meeting me, uh, I have a background in filmmaking, marketing, advertising. Um, right now my main business is called the Content Emporium and we have a series of courses, group programs and trainings for mainly like online entrepreneurs, people in the personal development niche, a lot of coaches, service providers and my, my real specialty is content strategy and messaging. Yeah. So um, I've seen some of your stuff kind of pop up online and um, actually I've heard other people say as well that uh, your stuff is very sharp. It's like it's very on point. Like it is very elegant. Very on point. That's the way I see it. Thank you. So uh, it's no wonder you're part of Lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you've been uh, are you living in Bali or what's your what's your deal now? Yeah, no, technically still here. Um, actually applying for a visa for the US at the moment. I had a call with my immigration lawyer this morning to get all of that together. It's quite an arduous process. They don't mm. make it easy. No, no. But you're from Australia. I'm Australian. Yeah. Whereabouts? Melbourne. Melbourne. Nice city until there's a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you've been traveling around 
recently though you've been traveling around the world doing different things i saw you're in dubai mm -hmm. you're exploring that mm -hmm. um what does the world look like now while you're traveling versus mm -hmm. before like what have have you noticed i haven't been traveling that much that's the reason i asked the question in three years i've been to australia once for seven days uh, eight days and i only did eight days because i was scared to get locked in australia sorry australia um but I just wanted to get back here. I, I'm at a time in my life where I don't feel like I need to travel. Mm. So I'm kind of living vicariously through other people. Um, so it wasn't that bad going to Australia, I guess, but what's it like traveling the world? What are you noticing? So I, I traveled reasonably consistently throughout the entire pandemic. And I mean, I most of my travels were prior to that. So it was really interesting to observe how that's shifted over the last three years or so. Um, most of my extensive traveling was probably about a decade ago, just lots of backpacking and, you know, diverse experiences. 2020 was absolutely the strangest year. 2021 was still a little strange. So I was in Europe for half or a little bit more than half of 2020. Um, and there was a very distinct opening point where Europe was like, we're open for summer. Mm. Everyone enjoy summer. And now summer's over and everyone let's pretend like uh, it was just, it was strange because there's either an issue or there isn't. Because at the end of the, Euro the European summer, mm -hmm. that's when everything got even worse, right? All the lockdowns and stuff got worse, right? Got really, really bad. And what was interesting was I, I was in Berlin in maybe July or August of 2020 and I was talking to someone in a restaurant or a bar of some kind and they said that they had a connection to the government, their wife worked within a specific department. And they were like, just so you know, you probably want to leave here before October because everything's going to shut down in October. And I said, well, you work at this restaurant. How, you, how do you know that? And they were like, well, I have this you know, internal connection. They, they gave me the exact date. And they were like, this is the date. And that, surely enough, that was the exact date that they released mm -hmm. all these presses, press releases in Germany saying, yeah, it's, you know, there's a problem and now everyone has to go back inside. So it was almost down to the T and probably about one week. I was in Portugal at that point and probably about one week later, the Portuguese government issued a – whatever it was, I can't remember the name. And so I was very quickly on a flight back here um, and had great timing. So that was very yeah. interesting to observe. And then in 2021, it was a little bit um, slightly more open, but there was probably a handful of countries, less than 10 definitely, that were officially open where anyone could go without too much hassle. And it, the list only got smaller. And so on that list was Mexico and Costa Rica um, where I spent a decent amount of time throughout 2021 before eventually coming back here. Yeah. Yeah. And Dubai. And well, Dubai was 2022. Okay. But Dubai was, Dubai open, was open most of the whole time. Yeah. yeah. It was one I, of the, I think the most open places. The yeah. most open. Yeah. I think Mexico and Dubai and were very yeah. notorious for being open. And if that only boosted their economies, like Dubai definitely grew during the last couple of years and cemented itself as yeah. a destination for a lot of people that wanted a safe I, haven. I think it's probably been good for them what's happened because, yeah. People's worlds have been turned upside down and not so sure about where they've been living, don't feel safe anymore. And now they understand how the world works a little bit more and they're like, mm, maybe I need to set up myself, set up somewhere else. Yeah. Also for taxes and everything. So, there, yeah, there so are, did you set up a company there? So what no, you, I didn't end up doing that no. in the end. No, most of my, my stuff is set up here. So uh, you explored it? You explored is there it. a reason why you didn't proceed? Um, it. Yeah, it didn't make sense for my personal situation because I didn't want to live there ultimately. Yeah. So it didn't really make that much sense. So 
if you set up in Dubai, you have to be there for a certain amount of time, and then More or leave less. again, and then you're good. Yeah, after that. It, yeah. There's, there's a, there. It's company setup um, is so nuanced for each individual case right. based on what it, what kind of business you're running. You know where you want to spend your time, and yeah, it's super, super nuanced. So there has to be a very clear story um, and, and picture painted for what you want and why. And then there'll be a, a setup that's optimized for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I think a lot of the time people just think, oh, Dubai, tax free. But they don't really go into the intricacies of what it is and how it works. And is this actually applicable for me? Yeah. And there's, there's I mean, it doesn't matter where you set up, there is going to be some, some rules and some obligations. Totally. I mean, the reason they're doing it is because there's something in it for them. There's something in it for the country. Yeah. In an ideal world, you're bringing business, you bring exactly. money through their banks and, and all of that. So yeah. there's definitely some obligations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never been to Mexico. Really? You know what I noticed in 20, 2021? Um, actually, a lot of people stayed here. Was it? I can't even remember anymore. This whole pandemic is all, it's all, all whirlwind. Um, but a lot of people left here when mm. things started getting a little bit heavy. Yeah, yeah. That was when I left. That everybody, like it was this Freaked mass out. exodus. It was the, the exodus, was, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I th- it was 2021, wasn't it? There were two. 20. There was there was there was an exodus at the very beginning yep. in like March 2020 where a lot of people left, and then there was a second one. Yeah, around that was the 21 June, Middle of July June. 2021. Yeah, yeah, and that's when everybody started going to Mexico. Yes, and then they um, went to Mexico because it was open, and then they came back with their <laughs> certificates, their or authentic certificates to get back into Indonesia. I won't go into any further details about that situation, but. Um, Bold yeah. for even saying that. No, I'm not worried. Bold. Even, I think you can even say the word vaccine these days. Not that the vaccine. <laughs> I think you're allowed to say the word. <laughs> well, before I was not. Like we we were saying we, we couldn't say vaccine on the podcast. Really? No, because if we cut it into any any reels or shorts, like I completely banned, shadow banned. So we were just doing this one. We called the jib jab, jib jab. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think, anyway, I'm hearing that there's going to be another pandemic. You're hearing that? Yes. No. Yes. My Have astrologers you... say otherwise. <laughs> okay. So, all right, let's go into this. What do you think is going to happen? What's your prediction for the world? Do you, are you optimistic about humanity, with the... With the direction of the world, with all this shit that's turning upside down? Do you think that that is a good thing? Where Where's the world going, Phoebe? I mean, I'm generally a pretty optimistic person. So... I like to think that things are getting better always. Uh, I like to think that we are learning from our mistakes. Me and you, we, yes. But, you know, hopefully more and more people learning from their mistakes. And I like to think that there is some kind of progress being made. I think in many ways society in general is going quite backwards. Like I think from a health perspective there's been a huge decline I think from a relationship perspective, there's been a huge mm. decline. Um, there, there have been a lot of things that have gone almost, yeah, kind of they've regressed. Uh, however, you know, I think obviously there have been great strides in terms of production and agriculture, but I think what we're maybe seeing is a counterbalancing of going too far in one direction and then almost seeing and reaping the consequences and repercussions of too much enthusiasm uh, of one particular thing or an ideal that will be the thing that saves humanity or the thing that serves the world and is, is a beacon 
then becomes, you know, like the the terror, right, mm. like the nightmare. And so we kind of, I guess we're experiencing almost the dystopian counterbalance of, of um, an era of disproportionate optimism. You know, mm. I think I think there have been technological advances, you know, like if we look at the dot-com era and if we look at um, the big tech boom of the, you know, first decade of the 2000s and even the second decade of the 2000s, up until maybe 2015 there was a huge tech boom and now we see most capital and venture capital liquidated and people are just not really willing to invest in the way that they were i think the nature of that type of equity investing has changed mm. where people are now prioritizing cash flow people are prioritizing dividends over you know some kind of big payoff for an ipo for example that era has long gone and so I think what we're now seeing is as we're heading into a new global sort of economy, right? Don't want to use the R word, but yeah. Recession. <laughs> I'm just, I'll just make the gestures and you say the words, yeah? Um, you know, I think that that is the, the balance of this over-enthusiasm that mm. is now being corrected. I think everything gets corrected in nature. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I agree to... Yeah, I, I, I agree to a certain extent. I think the reason I'm optimistic for the world is I think the pain that we're experiencing right now is like it's it's something that just has to happen. It's like like what you're saying is what I'm hearing is everybody, there's apathy. Like people just had it good for so long mm. and people just became lazy and it just became the norm and no longer did people have to think for themselves, fend for themselves. And that's why now there's so much stuff coming out about you know masculinity and now there's this massive like tug of war and debates and um you know there's truth starting to come out about you know maybe feminism wasn't such a good thing in the way that it was you know in the way that it unfolded mm. right so yeah there's a lot of things kind of colliding right now mm -hmm. which in the grand scheme of things has to happen so there's some kind of explosion going to happen but i think it's going to be weird for this year and next year what in what way just it's just what my intuition's telling me um i think i'm hearing from people that there's another pandemic like there's a there's a second pandemic planned so i mean i've been right about a lot of conspiracy theories <laughs> and i've been right about a lot of things mm. a lot of stuff i've been talking about since like 2014 2015 i was talking about bill gates like you know, like 10 years ago. Really? Yeah. And um, and then even the start of 2020, even the start of 2020 and I s started like pointing out that a relationship between the world going upside down and Bill Gates and people were like throwing stones at me like, you're this and you're that and Bill Gates is saving the world. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> the face. You're going you're gonna, to, sooner or later it will come out and you'll figure it out. But I've been talking about that stuff for a long time. Wow. Yeah. I don't know, partly intuition, partly just, Observing I don't know, I think I've, connecting. Uh, I really hated school. Like mm. I did not fit in. Really? Like there was the box of everybody was in the classroom of and I climbed out the ladder and I was jumping on the top of the box. It's like get me the fuck out of here. Like I hated school. Like I, uh, I did not fit in. So I think just always I've always been like seeking yeah. You know, like just I just always knew that that system that I was part of, yeah. there's something inherently wrong about it. It does not work for me. Mm. And I didn't know the 
any I didn't have any awareness of that or the complexity of that or what it had any uh, understanding of what I was feeling, mm. but that was always there. So I think I was just from a young age. I've always been seeking and looking for alternative. Like this is not right. Do you see? How do you see your role in regards to potentially dismantling this system that you you know perceive to be somewhat broken or incomplete? My role? Yeah. Uh, it's a great question, Phoebe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Do you have a podcast, by the way? <laughs> no. Well, you should. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't – I've never considered myself to be a messenger, right? The way I think, of, think about it is I create systems to support the messenger. Like this place, Lighthouse – is not designed to put me in front of the camera and spotlight and say, hey, listen to me, listen to me, I've got all the answers. Uh, I think my feeling is always to build businesses that support the messengers. Now, I guess in th- through doing that, yes, I have my own message, but I'm not trying to put myself out there. Mm. Um, and this is obviously where you help people all, a lot is helping build their authority online, their messaging and mm. get, getting everything sharp and on point so that you know, obviously a big part of that is the the capital, you know, making money, but it's also helping people to... Amplify their voice. Well, and also figure out what their voice is and exactly. figure out what their purpose is, yeah. right? What's your meaning, yeah. Exactly. What, yeah. And that's something I struggle with because I don't have any feeling of like, oh, I need to put myself out there. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's something I'm kind of maybe resistant about. Mm. Um, but I feel like in some ways I'm there to support the messengers yes which makes me a messenger by default but i don't feel like i'm the one with the the strong message does that make sense makes a lot of sense yeah do you yeah because do you know what your myers-briggs type is i'm dominant i'm a definitely a dominant personality like entj estj oh yeah that one um take a guess entp what's that what's e uh E? <laughs> e is extrovert. Yeah, E is extrovert. N is intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it would only be the last two letters. I think it's the judge. The N- INT. You're a J. J. Yeah. ENTJ. I think so. Yeah. That makes sense for you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. anyway, just for people who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, what is that? Uh, so the Myers-Briggs is a personality profiling tool. Yeah. And there are 16 personalities, um, four by four. So the reason why I was curious is because um, Myers-Briggs is correlated to this other profiling tool by Roger Hamilton called Wealth Dynamics. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've, yeah, he's a friend of mine actually. Oh, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. yeah, so I was just curious if you were That's a supporter. That's how I came to Bali the first time. Really? No, no, I'm not a supporter. No, no, no. I'm a um, creator. Really? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Full-blown full creator. Like when you do the test, I'm literally off the chart. Wow. Yeah. In the middle, Okay. Yeah, I'm like full off the chart creator. Hmm. Yeah, like I, you have to slow my mind down with coming up with new ideas. Wow. Yeah, like I was talking with Nelica. She's sitting in the room here. Anyway, we, people can't see her, but um, we were talking about stuff yesterday, mm-hmm. and even just her personal circumstance like sends me off on this like whole business tangent. Like that's how my mind works. So. Um, it's, I think with the creator is the visionary kind of thoughts yeah. and the visionary ideas. Totally. Um, but actualizing that is, is, is a different story. Yeah. But I also, I have to keep myself in check. Like I, I've had to learn to n- not look for the shiny objects. Like I've got to stick to the plan. 
yeah, and this not is, get distracted. And if something thing. new comes in, mm. it has to fit inside the framework of what my focus is now. Mm. If you can add value to what I'm working on now, rather than just being another good idea, mm. oh, that's that's another great idea. Let me go working on that and having 17,000 awesome things that I could be working on. Yeah. Uh, it, it now has to have I, I kind of almost weigh it up yeah. and it has a, a score and it has to have a score of 85%. Wow, this yeah. is a very specific – System. This is yeah, valuable. Yeah. Have you have you shared this? No, before? I've not. This is for me. I I'm, I haven't really unpacked unpacked this. But if I can't, if I if I'm considering an idea, mm-hmm. it's just a way for. It's not necessarily a deciding factor of a hundred whether I'm going to proceed or not. Mm. It gives me the capacity to very quickly discern whether I should discard something or not. Yes. Rather than just being like, oh, I'm just going to go down the rabbit hole of pondering and thinking and planning on this. If, if I can't in the initial thoughts of it yeah. say this scores above 85% yeah. in terms of this could add value to what I'm doing right now, yes. then I can discard it and not give it any further attention. Mm-hmm. So the example of Nelica, so that sits inside the framework. Now that's going to potentially pull me in a slightly different direction on a day-to-day basis for a short amount of time, a mm. little bit of a distraction, mm-hmm. but is it going to add value to the the long-term goal? The long-term goal. So the reason why I wanted you to explain that in a little bit more detail is because I was actually just talking to AJ about this, where he said, you know, uh, I was watching one of your stories or something that you posted recently about a CEO school, and I think that that is so needed. Mm. And he kind of asked me to elaborate on that in a little bit more detail, like what would you teach um, in this course or program, and yeah, he was like, this is, people don't have these skills. And what you just said is one of the exact things that I have observed. Most people in, in a owner of, in a, in a position of business owner are either lacking or missing or just completely unaware of. And this is actually what makes you a very good entrepreneur because for someone to execute and for someone to be productive and build momentum and actually create some kind of plan to achieve what they want to achieve, they need that skill as a fundamental thing. So this has come very intuitively to you. It's come very intuitively to me and I've thought about it and it it is a project management skill. It's the ability to essentially size up some kind of opportunity or idea and to then weigh that out amongst all of the other things that need to be done and assess and provide some kind of priority score and what are the highest priority actions or projects that are going to move the needle exactly the, yeah the goal the goal every day is what's going to move the needle that's yeah. it but people don't think like that yeah but, but the ability to learn how to think like that is fundamental to making yeah. progress well, decision making skills and abilities I think come through experience as well. I didn't there's there was a time yeah. in my entrepreneurial journey where I didn't have the capacity to make decisions in such a way. The the ability to make very quick bold decisions is is a, is a it's a game changer. Because if even if you get it wrong, you've moved on. 100%. You've moved on. Completely. And if you get it right, well, you're ahead of the game. So you can't really lose. Sometimes you you can look back and go, oh, I shouldn't have made that decision. But just the fact that you have the ability to make fast, bold decisions is the same mindset as moving the fuck on. I, I also think that this is, again, another thing that is a marker or an attribute of people who are quite 
successful and I'm going to define successful as people who get what they want in life. They go, I want this and cool. Now I'm able to get it is the ability to make fast decisions Mm. and not be too attached or thrown off by whatever happens or doesn't happen in that process. But I think most people, a lot of people can be quite paralyzed by either choice or decision fatigue and they end up, you know, going, well, I don't know and I don't want to make a mistake. And they, they end up in this paralysis of, you know, over overwhelmed and overcome by fear where they can't make decisions at all because they don't want to get it wrong. They don't want to make a mistake and they don't, they don't make any progress. As you said, yeah. the whole point is like, well, if you, even if you make the wrong decision, yeah. you're still further ahead. So you may as well just decide quickly. But that being said, there's a rule in the, um, in the Navy SEALs, mm-hmm. in the Navy SEALs, when they have, 60% of the intelligence, when they have 60% of the information, they make a decision. And 99% of the time they get it right. Wow. With only 60% of the intelligence. How, how does that work? Because it's because they have – there's an intuitive part of it. There's an intuitive factor. Like rather than waiting for all the information, mm-hmm. you might have a sense that, yeah, this is the right way to go. And there are times when it's like, yeah, we need to wait for more data. Let's just confirm this. Let's wait for this. Mm. But when fast decisions need to be made, which is quite often in like, you know, in the military or in in certainly the circumstances of war or whatever, it's like you have to make fast decisions. Mm. Waiting for more data, waiting for more information means you're going to get a fucking bomb on your head, right? Yes. And so they wait for 60% of the intelligence. When they've got 60% of the intelligence, they make a decision and they get it right 99% of the time. It's incredible. Yeah. So what are the other attributes? Well, let's go back to the success thing. You said um, success is getting what you want. Mm. So expand on that because if I'm going to consider the times when I've felt most successful, mm-hmm. it's maybe when I've gone off path and found something else that I didn't even know that I wanted. Interesting. What, such as? Well, just like in a business direction, like um, so Lighthouse. Okay. Right? Lighthouse, it was, it was never meant to be. It was not a vision that I had in my mind. Really? No. Nah. So in 2019, I had the idea that I want to start a podcast and I was living in Manila, had a breakup, started traveling back to Bali. Nelika actually started helping me and I, me being me, I, I do business modeling, right? So one thing I'm very good at is like numbers, doing forecasting, business very, modeling. Very, very good at it. Thank you. <laughs> Some um, of the best I've ever seen. So what I uh, explored was the idea of uh, having a small podcast studio, maybe twice the size of this room, 40 square meters, mm-hmm. one podcast studio. And so I could use it and then I could rent it out to my friends and you rent it out and basically I can just have my experience paid for. And then I was like, I really love coffee. I'd like a coffee machine. <laughs> and then- I remember you were going to do this because you ha- originally actually had this in your backyard, right? Well, no, no, no. So that was the original idea. Okay. Okay. And then I did all the numbers for that just to see if that would stack up. Numerical wizard. That worked. And then I started st- stacking on the numbers. I'm like, okay, well, what if the rent is- five times the amount. What if the numbers are like, what does it look like if I had 10 times this idea? So I just did the numbers on it just to see hypothetically. I still didn't want to do it. And then I was looking at properties and stuff and then I found this property. And then it, it was more like it just came, like everything just flowed to me when I saw this property. It was like, mm. 
oh, holy fuck, this is what I can do. Mm. Yeah, and nobody could I, – I don't even know that I could see – explain what I saw. Mm-hmm. And now people come here and they're like, oh, holy shit, I get it now. Mm. Oh, I get it. Yeah. So it was not necessarily my – Specific vision or It wasn't my vision. It, what I wanted was – To pod- record podcasts. That's what I, I wanted to start a podcast. And now you have that 10X. Well, and not only that, it's it's turned into something like we were saying before where – I'm now supporting the messengers. Yeah. So, and part of the reason it's called Lighthouse is because we get the opportunity to shine a light on your most meaningful message. Yeah. So that's part of what we're doing. So that all happened very organically and very intuitively. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the past, everything, most everything I'd done, that that uh, capacity and skills that I have in spreadsheets and doing numbers kind of got in my way because I'm like, this is the logical next step, mm. rather than. I get a feeling that maybe that's not quite right. Mm. So in that business, in previous businesses, I could have said what I want is to reach this financial goal and the way to do that is we have to hit this target, we have to have this many team, we have to do that. I can map all that out better than anybody I know. (laughs) But is that really what I wanted? Mm. That's what I thought I wanted because that was the logical next step. Sure. So I I didn't have the capacity to just drop all that and just listen and tune in and where does – where does but life want I to think take th- I think that this is a really interesting point because. Hey, I just want to send a very quick message to say thank you very much for tuning into the podcast. I really hope you're enjoying the conversations. And if you are, please, I'd be very grateful if you leave me a review. So no doubt by now you've gotten a sense for Lighthouse Studios here in Bali and what we can do. Obviously, we do podcasts and live recordings in studios just like this one, but we can also help you in the back end as well with all the editing for your audio and video podcasts, for your masterclasses, for content for your membership programs, for your social media content, YouTube channels, etc. Lighthouse is here ready to support you with all of your content needs. If you want to cut through the noise and stand out in 2023 and beyond, then your content needs to be of high quality. Filming with your phone is out. High-level content with multi-camera productions, studio settings with lights and high-quality audio is in. So whatever your content requirements are, get in contact with us. We would love to talk to you and hopefully see you over here in paradise very, very soon. I think think that this is a really interesting point because – by surrendering your attachment to specific definitions that that the origin of that attachment would have come from wanting certainty, wanting um, things to be predictable, right, in a way that you're like, well, I'm in control. And so being able to even just surrender that need for control that is probably coming from a somewhat egoic place um, and the ability to follow the nudges and the intuition and allow yourself to really flow as you have done, I think is a really big part of the process of what I think leads to success because the outcome that you have now allowed, the outcome that has somewhat created itself where you have, you know, I talk about flow where you are not necessarily the one that is executing and doing everything, but you kind of enter a state where you are able to see, feel, hear the current, the the energy, the energetic wave that is is moving, right? And you get to learn how to 
once identified, jump up on the board, catch that wave and ride it all the way to the shore. You can swim, you can paddleboard, you can do it yourself and you can be absolutely exhausted by the end of it or you can learn how to surrender to the current that's already in motion. And I think that there is an absolute balance between having the idea, having the plan, knowing where you want to go in general, but then also being able to go, there's something else, there is a force beyond me that is moving and I'm going to see where that goes and follow that and trust that. And that wave is always going to take you somewhere beyond the realm of what your like your small mind can imagine. Mm. And so I think, you know, if you had stuck to the plan, you would have had this thing, right? This small, as you said, double the space of this room. And that would have been fine. It would have been good. But by surrendering and allowing that other thing and the detachment, you've created something much bigger and much more grand than what you could have conceived of. And I think that that is actually part of the process that a lot of people don't necessarily learn. I think some people can be all flow and no willingness, right? And I think some people can be all numbers and and crunch and no flow. But when you have both, you create this really amazing outcome. Yeah, the way I think of that as you're speaking that out is – Basically, the the macro, yes, the macro of which path I get led down or which I move to is is more now led by my intuition and what I'm feeling, and then the micro, what I got to do today. Yes, that's still there. There's still some like you know I meet this person and I'll be feeling into do I want to do business with this person mm-hmm. or not, but then I've still got to have numbers. Like I can't just run a business and not know what my percentages of staff cost are. Like that doesn't work. So no. I've still got to have those structures, but they're on the micro. I love that frame because, I mean, I think there are a lot of people in my community that would value so much from what you just said where it's like. That will be $500 for that <laughs> sentence, please. <laughs> Invoice me. So, yeah, people kind of want to understand how does intuition you know, come in and how does that process of, I guess, conscious decision-making and surrender, how does that get balanced with the very real practical tangibles of we live in a 3D world, we live in a capitalistic society, money is required, value creation, delivery and and balance sheets and profit margins are absolutely needed. You can't bypass those skills to live in the world that we live in. So I'm very much the same. I think on a macro level there is a, a very intuitive flow and then on a day-to-day there are very real project management you know skills that get harnessed yeah i think a lot of people mm, you also use intuition as um a subtle elegant unconscious mechanism to avoid responsibilities and following through like you can see a lot of people that you know we mean oh i'm I'm little, <laughs> I'm little miss miss intuitive or I'm I'm Mr. Intuitive. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're just not grounded in anything. Yeah. And you're using that as a mechanism to allow yourself to not have any responsibilities and follow through on what you actually really want. So how can you discern the difference between if someone is grounded and intuitive versus um, what you just said? Like what would be the markers of you being able to discern that? That's a great question. This is why, I, why I'm the host of the podcast and asking you <laughs> questions. <laughs> Um, you can answer the same question, but um, I don't know. I think f- uh, 
we all know that when we connect with somebody, we have an interaction with somebody, we all get a sense of their energy and whether there's a, um, you know, whether we vibe with that person and whether they're a match for the, the interaction that we want to have a relationship with this person, that we want to do business with this person, mm. um, or are they just a dickhead and fuck off? Yeah. Right? Um, unfortunately, I think people put too much emphasis on what they're trying to achieve in their business and they completely disregard the very obvious, mm. right? I think there's there's a there's some very strong skills. It's you have to develop understanding the subtleties of intuition, mm-hmm. but then there's some obvious ones which I think people really ignore for the sake of oh wow this person has this community and they're going to open me up to this thing. Phoebe's got. 100,000 followers on her Instagram, like, oh, we should do a collaboration with this, you know, with, yeah, with her. Yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. So they're thinking of the strategy, mm. the obvious strategy, mm-hmm. over and above what they're actually, what, they what they're being told, saying, what yeah, their guts totally. is. Yeah. So, yeah, tricky question. Mm. What's your answer, Phoebe? I mean, I, I haven't known if I've really thought about, like, intuition as a way to bypass responsibility um well it's a good check-in for ourselves yeah because as you're developing your intuition and you start to you you start to understand you start to notice how much more intuitive you are Mm -hmm. then you have to dance with it yeah because it is a game because I, i i mean my intuition could tell me i don't feel like working today so when do I decide mm-hmm. to just pack it in and fuck it? I'm going to the beach and I'm not doing nothing today, <laughs> right? Yeah. So what is the like? What is the intuition actually actually telling me? Or am I making a story about what the intuition is telling me because it's convenient for me and how I feel in that moment? Yeah, and well, then, that's good. Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. And I think yeah, I think that's the thing, right? Is like, is this the voice of the mind? being very logical and very convincing or is this the the voice of gut feeling and knowing and um, I think a lot of the time intuition is not very logical, which is how you – I mean that's one of my markers of being able to discern. Mm. If it's very logical, it's probably your mind. If it makes a lot of sense, it's probably the mind. Yeah. Uh, if it's vague and a little bit undecipherable – and not super logical and you're kind of there's if there are further questions like but why it's probably intuition because yeah. it tends to not give you too much information it tends to just give you a general vague sense of yes no or this direction or here's a vision but not really much after that so i i find that for me if there is a lot of information uh it's probably mental mm. good one um what have you struggled with like what have you what's been your biggest thing that you've kind of wrestled with in your life or as an adult? <laughs> in general. Um, hmm. Keep in mind we have had conversations before about s- certain matters. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your subtle way of being like, don't lie, I know you well? Yes. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I mean, there are two core themes for me that have been very present for the last couple of years and definitely – um, I think for most of my life there has been 
a struggle or a challenge with feeling like I was doing something important enough and feeling like just really unsatisfied and frustrated with work, career, feeling pretty victimy in relation to money and victimy. Yeah, I mean, we're just feeling kind of like, I like you know, the word victimy. Ne- never going to get it right, never going to figure it out. You know, this is not something that I'm good at. This is something that you know, I mean, at one point or another, I definitely had this story in my head where I was like, I need to marry rich. Like I need I need to have like a very successful wealthy partner because I don't have these skills. I'm never going to be able to do any of this. I'm a creative, I'm an artist, I'm a very sensitive person and um, I need I need someone to take care of all of the responsibilities and all of the money stuff so that I can just be me and my little cancerian creative sensitive cocoon of artistry and so I think that that has been a very prominent challenge and I think at the forefront of most of my um, 20s and and then the thing that is very deeply connected to that kind of theme of career and feeling somewhat disempowered in regards to career and financial abilities was relationships and feeling very overwhelmed by not knowing where the line was between what do I give myself and what do I give the other and finding myself in some somewhat unhealthy codependent um, dynamics. And And so do you think that those two things are related, related crossover, obviously, because if you, think that you're not capable, you don't believe in yourself, there's some lack that you're trying to fulfill, mm-hmm. then how can you how can you be in a space where you can attract what what is right for you? Exactly. So the dynamics you find yourself in are wrong from from the beginning. Guess what the problem is? Yeah. It me. It's me. <laughs> it, me. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler it always alert. is. Yeah. It always is. Totally. No, those were, yeah, it's not directly, you know, like fully connected but somewhat interrelated for sure. Mm. Uh, the, the connection in the intersection of these two things was definitely this feeling of like um, not feeling whole or full within myself to feel like I had, uh, like, like I could really kind of love and accept myself and know that, I had something really substantial or that I was enough or that, you know, there was always this feeling like I had something to prove. And so there was this general not okayness with myself where it was quite unsettling and just living with that. was and it, it doesn't go away. No, it doesn't and, go away. And you, th- and cause I, I can ex- speak from experience as well. Mm. Sometimes you think that that's in your environment. Right. And then you move, you change your environment. Yeah. And it came with you. Totally. And then it moves with you to the next place. Totally. Into the next relationship. And to the next country. The next country. Yeah. Oh, the avoidance. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Great times. Yeah. Classic hits. Um, what's been one of your, what's the thing that you've had to overcome in your business? Because you were saying before, you, I mean, there's been times in your career, in your business career, where you weren't making money and it's kind of things are a bit of a struggle. Mm-hmm. Maybe, and you can comment, did you feel like at those times you knew you had something, like you knew you had some kind of gift and you just couldn't quite figure out what the magic formula was? And from what I can see in recent times, like you seem to be doing pretty well. Like Mm. you seem to have kind of overcome something and hit something. Yeah. So what was the, what was the, how did you do that? What was the, what did you learn? So, there was i think i think one thing that's really important to kind of note here is that 
momentum and opportunities become quite abundant when any individual achieves a certain level of mastery. And I think that, you know, I'm of the millennial generation smack bang in the middle of most millennials. And I think that my generation in particular have a very um, unique perspective where we are quite impatient and we think that everything can be achieved in minutes. And so we have quite an unrealistic expectation of how long it actually takes to either build something, let alone become good at something. And so when I look back now and where I was four and a half years ago, I think the most obvious thing that stands out to me was I had no level of mastery yet. And I mean, business opportunities are abundant now and, you know, audience and sales and revenue, everything is, is quite easy and abundant because I have built a level of mastery and reputation by consistently delivering pretty high quality stuff but that has only gotten better and stronger with more commitment to mastering my craft. And so, you know, there's this kind of concept of like the entrepreneurial triangle where you have marketing is one corner, operations is another corner, and then value creation or engineering or product is another corner. And so the more, the, the better your product is, the better what you have to offer is, then the other two parts of the triangle will always come to you. Right, like because you don't necessarily need to be great at them yourself, but if you like, let's attract talent or something. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Well, let's say you're Zuckerberg and you're sitting on the Facebook algorithm and the the product. How easy is it going to be for someone like Sheryl Sandberg to to come along and be like, I want to manage your operations, Mm. and then some chief marketer to come along and be like, I know exactly how to sell this. You know, you don't need to do too much if you have a great, great product. People want to stand behind a visionary. People not necessarily that it's going to sell itself as people think think that it will. Yes, but no. It does attract yeah. higher quality, top talent, yep. totally. So as I became better at my craft, everything did become easier. And I think that in the beginning there was a lot of struggle because I thought I had something. I thought I had something to offer, but also that was to some degree delusional. And I think a lot of people think, and this is, you know, before we started recording, you asked me about human design. And I said, well, you know, I don't really want to talk about it because I've got some, you know, qualms with that. Well, yet here we are. Here we, and yet here we are. Well, it's relevant now. So I'll come back to it, which is that um, I think a lot of, so I'm a projector and we're like 22% of the population um, in terms of type. And something that I see that is quite common with a lot of projectors is that they can feel a little bit entitled and feel like they are supposed to be this mythical, successful unicorn of all of the design types. And things should just land on you. Things should just land for them and why aren't I successful? And it's because people have this silly notion that you don't need to apply 10,000 hours to become a master at something, which is absurd. Mm. So apparently you're born special. That's crazy. Mm. Like if I, I, so you're not going to work for it at all, you know? And so that's that's kind of like one of the main issues that I have with that. But I think – you know, I think everyone has potential. I think everyone has a unique set of potential and a unique talent, but that, that talent needs to be harnessed and it needs to be sharpened, you know, every day for however many days in, in the forest, right? And so the more I was willing to practice that, that's just the first thing is like commit to mastery, commit to dedication, know that it's going to take probably three to five years to become actually good at something. And then there was the journey of building the business and – I think one of the harder things there that I had to overcome was 
the motivation that was driving my goals and what I wanted or what I thought I wanted, let's say, because my business became a vehicle through which I could get my needs met. And so that became the primary environment where I was living out, playing Mm. out patterns of unresolved childhood wounding or trauma or whatever you want to call it. And so the things that would be present perhaps in, in relationships or in my relationship to family members or, you know, other things were then being amplified through the business where I would have these frustrations that would show up. In particular, I would have continuously disappointing experiences with team members and feeling like I don't understand why it's so hard to hire good people or why it's so hard to get the operations right. Why is everyone so lazy? Why, why does nobody understand me? Why, why does, why, you know, what's going on here? Like why are people making mistakes? Yeah. Why don't people understand what the brief is? You know, what, what's all this back and forth? The back and forth used to kill me. You know, there should be no more than one round of revisions. And that those things aren't issues for me anymore. Like I feel like my team now is absolute rock star. But I used to see people with these like quote rock star teams and I would be like, how though? Like what the fuck? And it was me. It was totally me. And I think what's really interesting was like before I, my primary motivation was work to make a truck ton of money so that I don't have to work. Mm. Whereas now I am coming from a completely different place where I have found a very pure and genuine authentic mission and, and values and something that drives me and inspires me. And, you know, there is a, a purity in in what I do and in what drives me to show up in the way that I do. So the the money you're making is a byproduct totally. of that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And everything But do you think I mean, that's wonderful. That's awesome. How do people get to that though? Because yeah. isn't it the case that we're all sold on that idea, mm-hmm. right? But I also think that you kind of have to earn your stripes. Yeah, I agree. You kind of have to go through all the bullshit you have to go through all that yeah. to get to a point and i think we're so oversold on the idea of you know you can live your purpose and everybody can make money from their purpose and mm. but if it was that easy like everybody would just be living happy lives and laughing down the street and right yeah pockets full of money totally but life is not like that no so i think it really freaking takes something mm-hmm. You got to fall over that many times yeah. to figure out what your purpose is. Or maybe like you said, the direction is already there. Yes. But the driving force behind it is like your car is pointing in the right direction but you're using the wrong fuel. That's so this is exactly the thing. So I have this hypothesis about what drives you as a motivation being directly correlated to what is sustainable and how we burn out. Mm. Because I think that when the fuel in the car is clean energy fuel, the car can just go. You get great mileage on it, right? But when the fuel in the car- Well, that's assuming there's enough recharge stations. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, so when the motivation is, let's say, self-serving. So it's all, it's it's rooted in or it's anchored by self-preservation, by wanting to prove- how good you are when it's coming from the ego's need to not die, you know, the ego's need to show how wonderful it is, how important it is, how valuable it is. Look at me, look at me, significance and validation and look at how much money I can make for self-preservation. Then 
the the fuel is is covered by all this like soot and film and it's quite filthy. And so, you know, the car is eventually going to break down and it's going to keep breaking down because the quality of what is fueling the car is just not good quality fuel. And so this process of this filtration of like, am I doing this to serve myself? And is this coming from some kind of need for me versus is this being guided by divine inspiration? Mm. And the only way that you can get to that point that you're talking about, the elusive point where most people don't ever get to, where you are living a truly fulfilled life, where you have lots of energy and resources available to you, literally I mean like through your body, right, where you wake up and you have energy every day in the morning, and then also I mean resources where like people are attracted to you and they want to serve your mission. To get to that point, you have to do a massive dismantling process around your own safety mechanisms. So do you think that you have to basically go through everything that you don't want or everything that doesn't work to figure out what works? Because I think we're also, people are also sold on the idea of how easy things are. It's like, oh, you can start an e-commerce business and within 12 months you'll be making seven figures. Yeah. It's like some people do it. Some people do it. But what is the percentage of people that do that? Like for every one person that makes it, how many millions I mean, for me, I'm actually, I won't say how old I am. I'm old. <laughs> um, I had my first business when I was eight. What was like, it? What was your, what was your eight year I, old I've business? Been, I've been doing this shit for a long what was fucking your, what was time. Your, what was your child business? What um, was cleaning boats. I grew up on a boat. So I've been doing this stuff for a long, long time. I've got a lot of runs on the board. And there's been, a, I've lost everything twice. Mm. And. If somebody, if I had my time again, mm-hmm. well, actually, the, the the example I give is if somebody came to me with ten million dollars and said, "You can take the ten million dollars and you can uh, do what you want with it. Now you can be successful, or I'll guarantee you ten million dollars, but you got to work for the next ten years, develop all the wisdom, develop all the skills." You'll still get the ten million, but you've got to go through the ten years, and you're going to fall on your face. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. How many people would take the ten million dollars now, or let's lower the amount? How many people would take two hundred thousand dollars now and forgive ten million dollars over ten years? Most people would do that. Mm, I would not. I, I wouldn't either. I would not. No, I, I would wouldn't. take the ten years. Same. Because I want the skills. I want the wisdom. I want the So the interesting thing is if you had have asked me that question 10 years ago, I would have taken the 250 down. And now after having been through everything, I'd take the 10 million with the endurance. Yeah. And I th- I think this is so great. It's an interesting thought experiment. It's a great thought experiment. Thank you for contributing that. Because I think there is a there's an opportunity for a perception shift here where people can see that it is like the value is in the process. Mm -hmm. The value is not in the money and the, the, the financial outcome because a lot of the time people have this notion that they need money to buy the things that they want or they need money to, to do the things or to have the things that they want. And there's this whole concept. Like have you read conversations with God? I haven't. So I've got a copy of that somewhere. (laughs) 
I should read it. Yeah, I think you'd really like it. So Neil Donald Walsh, you know, is having conversations with God and one of the one of the principles is like the be do have concept. And people have this whole backwards notion that I need to uh, in order for me to be happy, I need to or be fulfilled, I need to do this thing where I can get money and have the money in order to be happy and fulfilled. Yep. Or get the success or get the fame, you know, to have that and it's actually it's the complete inverse, right? If you want to experience happiness, you don't go out and do something so that you can have something to then be it. You start with just being the person who is experiencing fulfillment and happiness. And then from that space of experience, you then go out and you are actually taking, you are doing actions that are in alignment and congruent mm. with that identity. You'll feel inspired to take the actions rather than it being a grind. Yeah. yeah. And then and then through taking those actions from alignment, you have the things that that person would have. And so one of the things that I learned when, I mean, I had had my massive business collapse and financial collapse in 2021 was I was reading Conversations with God, I think it was book three, and I was journaling and I had this massive realization where I was like, I have been trying to get money so that I can have what I think I'm supposed to have so that I can, you know, be happy. And if I flip this around and if I just was embodying the things that I wanted to embody, how would I behave differently? How would I show up differently from that space? And then I'm not seeking anything because I am already the thing that I am seeking. And so then I wrote this giant list and I was like, okay, what's everything that I want to be or have? And, you know, what are all these different archetypes that I want to express through myself? And so one of them was like, well, you know, if I was a, if I was a really established and successful writer, how would I behave differently? And I was like, oh, well, I would totally do this if I was a writer. And then I was like, well, why don't I just go and do that? And then I started, I did that for all these different categories. And I was like, yeah, I would totally just make decisions differently rather than sacrificing, you know, the things that I really truly want in the pursuit of the thing that I think is going to give me the things that I want. And so I was like, I just, you just go straight there mm. rather than going through this like sidewall way of being like, well, I need to go here so I can get there. And also thinking that that, side thing that you're doing yeah. doesn't matter doesn't make any doesn't make a difference well exactly and so the, so to come back full circle to where we started um what i realize now is that you know that for me i guess it's been a 5 year process of being on the journey actually is the most fundamentally valuable part of the entire process because the the journey itself, the skills and the experience, the trials, the errors um, is what has now armed me with wisdom that people now seek me out for or recognize me for. But also this embodied wisdom is now what gives me so much meaning. And there is a deep appreciation that I have for myself as a result of living to accrue and embody that wisdom. And so now my relationship with my, I mean, I respect myself now. Whereas, I mean, a couple well, of years ago, I don't think I really did. I mean, that's to me the definition of authenticity, right? I mean, what I'm hearing is you're now showing up in a way that is authentic, mm. which is magnetic and that then perpetuates yeah. the whole thing. The whole so thing. So it sounds like if I'm going to repackage it <laughs> is – you're figuring out what is not real to you mm. and figuring out what is and then finding what is 
your most authentic voice. And it might be very subtle for some people, like mm. just that energy that you're coming from all of a sudden is the thing that like completely flips everything on its head. Yeah. And so here's the thing as well that comes from that process is I think a lot of the time when people will go, oh, well, I want this money, what do you want it for? And so what's interesting is like if you commit to going through this journey of learning and inquiry and mastery, you will at the end of that journey become the person that can create 20 times to 100 infinite times more than if you just had the money up front because the person that you become through that evolution is the creator, like absolute high level of creator consciousness. Yeah. You can't create the 200 million from the level of no, zero. Exactly. You got to go you got to figure out that you you got to develop that level of consciousness, that level of wisdom, that experience. Like we we hear all the stories about people who are creating unicorns and it's like that's what gets sold to us. Yeah, right. So that's what people's mindsets are when they're starting a business. It's like, "Oh, I'm going to create a billion dollar company." It's like so yeah, no, so not. what if we what if we look at it? I think I think this is so important. I, I would love for people to really marinate on this a lot more, rather than looking at business as something that you are going to create a lot of value or money from. Where it's like, what can I create that can be well known or famous that can change the world? What if you look at business, and this is how I see it, and have seen it for a while. What if you look at this as an avenue for you to become the most actualized version of yourself where it is an evolution of your journey of consciousness unfolding to becoming the creator of whatever it is that you want because business truly is a game of innovation and creativity when you get to play it right. And so through this process you get to go, well, now I can – because once you've built one or two successful businesses, you now know how to create stuff and then you get to have real fun where you're like, well – now that I know what to do, what could I create? And that's where life gets to be really, really fun. And it's also <clears throat> that mindset of you know not being focused on the money. It's not only now not a mindset; it's an actuality. Exactly, it's, it's an actuality. Like, yeah, yeah. So I Is think that a word. Yeah. I, I use it as a word. Okay. Actuality. It's like a different word to reality. You know, actual. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely for me. It's a process of growth. Yeah. I think this authenticity thing is interesting. So in the work that you do, mm. you're helping people um, explain more how you work with people but you're essentially helping people with their um, – building their profiles online, mm -hmm. sharpening their message uh, ha th through that process is also them developing – their mission, their purpose, yes. their values, all that kind of stuff. Yep. So it's really helping people articulate what they're what they're about. Yeah. Right. So how do how do you do that in a way that is not salesy and is like actual unpacking the authentic authentic part mm -hmm. rather than just trying to craft words to make you sound cool? Sure. Sure. So, because I think this is something most people probably wrestle with. It's something that I've always wrestled with. Really? It's like, all right, I'm going to write a bio for myself. It's like, all right, well, what sounds cool versus what is actually me? Right. Right. And I think that's why everybody says, oh, it's very hard to write about my Tinder profiles. Like, I hate writing about myself. It's like sure. most people struggle with like defining themselves. Mm. True. Mm. You know what? <laughs> Yeah. Not, I'm not on Tinder, by the way, just so we're, <laughs> just so we're clear. 
loving relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Love seeing that for you. Um, no, you've just touched on something that has just kind of spurred off a light bulb in my head, which is uh, I think most people or a lot of people really struggle with defining a niche for themselves. And I think that that is rooted in what you just said, which is like, I don't want to define myself. How do I box myself into these categories? And it's actually this identification process and going, who am I? And having these labels that we then think are going to somehow limit our, our expression or the reflection of our vastness. Mm-hmm. And that can feel super jarring Um, which makes sense as to why, I mean, I just, I never thought about it from that perspective of like why people get so, you know, worked up about a niche, but now I've, from that lens, I'm like, yeah, that feels horrible. (laughs) So yeah. And you know, what's interesting is like, I'm, I've been going through a bit of a pivot recently myself and the recently when I've been asked a few times, you know, what do you do? Or like, can you tell us about, yeah, I've had to write a bio a few times and, you know, one liners and it's been overwhelming for me. And, you know, I teach people how to do it, which is hilarious. Yeah. So, You're like the mechanic driving the shitty car. Well, it's because I, for a long time when I was not plagued by this, you know, apparently apart from recent weeks, um, it's because I just go, I cannot be defined because I'm so vast. and I'm special. I'm so special. So whatever it is that I, whatever it is that is most relevant to the person that I'm in conversation with right now is what I'm going to portray. And based on whatever social groups I'm in, I'm going to adapt myself to the values and the, you know, the most meaningful or valuable resonant aspect for that group. Right. So if I'm having a conversation with you, I'm probably gonna have a very different focal point to if I'm talking to somebody else that where we're talking about maybe health or something. Right. And so, you know, in regards to business, I have crafted messages that are relevant for different groups of people or categories of Mm. audience. And so I have these kind of clearly defined avatars where I'm like, well, if this is the customer avatar and if this is what their highest priority is, here's how I can help this avatar. But just because that's how I can help this one particular person doesn't mean that that is defining of me. Mm. It's one aspect of what I can do and how I can help that is relevant to this particular person at this moment in time. So I change my bio frequently depending on I don't have one. What I'm selling into who? That's how special I am. So special. No bio. Um sometimes I go through these phases where I have no bio because I'm just like I'm not in the mood for this. So yeah, I think this kind of concept of like well, where do we start? I mean if if you are at the point where you have multiple offers and you've done all of your market research and you're clear on the people that you can help that you're capable of helping and how beyond that if you know that's all been defined great you've got these different one-liners that are relevant right Mm. you've got a bank of them i've got a whole i've got like 20 you know a sheet somewhere that i just rotate but to move that aside um i have this process you know brand storytelling process where Essentially, you just go back and look at your life and how it's unraveled and unfolded and then you create milestones based on the hero's journey and what are, you reflect on what the biggest lessons are that you've learnt. So in the same way that you asked me today, well, okay, you know, where were you five years ago? Where are you now? And clearly that's a very different space. And so what did you have to learn or overcome in order to go from A to B? There's this very clear journey and this very clear point of challenge and lessons that came from that, embodied wisdom that came from that. So this process is going, okay, 
let's look at the last five or 10 or 20 years of your life and look at what really stands out as the major lessons that you have learnt because the most embodied, authentic teaching and message is going to come from what you have overcome, not what you think you're good at. Your life is going to tell a very honest story of what you are capable of and where you've been in the mud and how you got out of that mud. And so if you're someone that's going, well, I can teach, you know, I can teach money mindset and you've never really overcome money mindset, that's going to be quite apparent when you go through this exercise, Mm. right? And where you are most competent is going to be very clear when you go through this exercise. And so then you tell your brand story, you write it and then you communicate in these various mediums and that becomes the kind of obvious thing of like, well, this is my unique brand proposition to then be like, you know, there are a hundred people that teach marketing. There are are thousands of people that teach content and copywriting and marketing, but how many of them have been through this very specific hero's journey of dismantling their motivations for their goals and what is driving them in terms of fuel, understanding, you know, the energetics of, of unlocking and obtaining more energy and then going, I understand fulfillment and business from a lens of being inspired and, you know, being able to lead from that place. Mm. There's only, there's only one story that exists like that. So when we unlock our unique brand story by reflecting on our unique journey, we then create a unique proposition in the market that is very identifiable, yeah. that people can resonate with on a deeper level. And it's not just about the exchange of, well, I want to learn this thing that's tangible and you are offering this thing. It becomes, I resonate with your story and I really deeply emotionally connect to what you've overcome, your hardships, and I believe in the values that you embody and so it must be you. Yeah. I, I mean, I think people overestimate articulating what they think that their skills and their yes. – so I'm the best at this. I'm the expert in this, this, and this. Look at all the runs I have on the board and that's my proposition. Mm. But that doesn't connect. And I think even more so as time goes on, people are – getting more attuned to wanting to just work with people and companies especially that they're more aligned with, Mm. which I think is good for everybody. I think it's good for the planet. And so, again, like there's this resonance here of like, you know, Simon Sinek says people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And so if you are articulating your why and the meaning that is driving your impact, Mm. people are going to be absolutely compelled by who you are, what you represent, your defined values and your vision. And that's the difference between someone offering something versus like actually creating and building a really strong resonant brand that, as you said, is sharp. Mm. Good point. And that's why I think Lighthouse works because yeah. people feel that they can they can sense something. They can sense that there's something. Deeper. Even if I've never they've never heard my story, they've never heard where the name Lighthouse come, came from, mm. They, they get a sense that oh, there's something deep going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like even people come to the cafe and they're like, I can feel what you're doing here. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's cool. It's cool. But it's also kind of mind boggling. It's like, it's so interesting. I think what even happens just on an unconscious energetic level is like whether you publish your stuff or not. Like, I mean, I have videos and posts where I talk about my journey and my story. But regardless of if anybody sees that or not, when you just are aware through the process of reflection of what you have journeyed and you're clear on that, whether you even say it or not, 
you're vibrating on that level of awareness, right? Yeah. And I think people can feel that, like you just said, people walk into this space and they feel it and they know that there is something more meaningful here. There is depth here. So even if you're not directly publishing something on your website or in on social media, I think just having the awareness of the journey is going to allow you to embody that deeper level of brand resonance for people to be able to connect with you and really love who you are and what you're putting out there. So you know what we should do, Phoebe? Mm. <clears throat> you should help me and Lighthouse write uh, uh, like a little mini documentary about how Lighthouse came about. Yeah. And then obviously we've got all the video team in here and to do everything very professionally and the best in the world. <laughs> um, let's do that. I think we should. That's I think it, it has idea. to be done, yeah. Um, we've been going for a while now. It's yeah. an hour and 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? It just goes super fast. Wow. Yeah, and I'm sure we could keep talking. but um, That's a good note to end it on, yeah. How, uh, what's the best way people can find you? <clears throat> Instagram, what's your yeah. What's your jam? Yeah, Instagram is the best way to connect with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got a lot of like resources, you know, free things mm -hmm. online and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there are <laughs> and like I said before, it's very sharp. It's very on point. Thank you. This girl knows what she's doing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, the, the links are in the bio. There's yeah. there's books, there's guides, there's mini courses, there's a bunch of free edible things. Yep. Very cool. So we'll make sure everybody's got the links and everybody checks you out. Guys, go check out Phoebe. She's awesome. <laughs> and very special. Um one last question, mm -hmm. and this is the question I ask of everybody at the end, and that is if you had the one-time superpower of mental telepathy and you could connect a message with all 7.9 billion people on the planet, whatever the actual number is, one short, sharp message to everybody, what would that message be? Ooh. Yeah, it's okay. You can cry too. It's all right. <laughs> Okay. It's something along the lines of having like dare to ask yourself what you really, really want from life, mm. not what you think is possible mm. and allow yourself to kind of dream bigger and know that whatever this thing is that you know, you are not entertaining as an idea that seems too big or overwhelming or complex for you. If you've seen it, if you've, if it's come to you in some kind of vision. It's there for a reason. It's absolutely there for a reason. And your duty is to become the person that is capable of creating that. Mm. And there, you know, I think a lot of the time people, something that has plagued me for a long time is that people have an awareness of what they really want. And people are just too afraid to even start going for it. And they go, oh, well, that's just a pipe dream or that's just blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you know, like man up, like go out and get strong and fit and mentally resilient and emotionally resilient and figure out how to do this thing that you clearly know that you want and it's possible and like go do it. And so stop being afraid and thinking that it's hard it's not. It is, but it's not. It's there for you. That's awesome. Not as short and sharp as I expected. No. But that's a very powerful message. Very cool. Phoebe, <laughs> thank you so much for joining. And uh, we'll make sure everybody's got the links. Go check out Phoebe. And um, 
yeah, I look forward to doing some more stuff with you maybe here at Lighthouse and now that you're part of the family. Thanks, man. Guys, go check out Phoebe and we'll see you next time back down the rabbit hole.